In the 1950s and 1960s, when the United States was in the throes of segregation, radio DJ Art LeBeau, he had a different vision. Some songs have that sound that the day they come out, they're, they're going to be there for a long time. You just know it. One where black, white, and brown faces were on album covers and show posters and dancing together. He didn't care who you were, where you were. LeBeau's charm, his buttery voice, and love of what he eventually called oldies but goodies popularized so many concepts. The compilation album, dedications on air, and most importantly, how to really, truly, greatly promote concerts. Art LeBeau inviting you to bring back the 50s and 60s with us this Friday night at Art LeBeau's Oldies But Goodies Club on the Sunset Strip. And he brought this music in Boogie for everyone for over 70 incredible years. And his passing comes at a time when those messages are needed most. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, essential news from the LA Times. It's Friday, October 14th, 2022. Today, a tribute to Art LeBeau, who died on October 7th of pneumonia. His voice was on the LA airwaves for generations and across the American Southwest. He was a cultural icon there, but beyond his personality and awesome songs that he'd spin, LeBeau broadcast a radical message of racial unity and tolerance for others way before such messages became mainstream. Here to help pay tribute to LeBeau is LA Times reporter and my longtime compa, Gabriel San Roman. Hey, what's up, Gabriel? Doing good, but definitely feeling the gut punch of losing such a radio legend like Art LeBeau. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, my first memory of Art was his album, Memories of El Monte, actually on a CD. And I mean, the songs are great. God, dedicated to you. You're still a young man. Reasons, all that great stuff. But I always like the cover. Like you see this cover. It's a picture of one of his concerts at El Monte Legion Stadium back in the 50s. And you have black kids, Asian kids, white kids, Mexican kids. They're all dancing together. They're all happy and all of that. And we have to remember that this was from the 1950s when redlining was still in full force. But yet here you have art saying like, nah, nah, you know, racism, you get to stay out the door. This is, a, this is a safe space for all folks of color and anyone who wants to be on. But what were your first memories of art? Really what first came to mind when I heard the news of his passing was being the teenager. When you're trying to express yourself about early whimsical romantic feelings and whatnot but for me really like sunday nights you could just turn on the radio he had a six hour killer oldies sunday special and for me i'd get my solo jeans spray some starch on them do my ironing uh-huh. getting ready for the school week ahead and it's as simple as that in terms of my first memory but that's pretty much as chicano as it gets I have those same memories. I didn't iron as much as you probably did. Then we become adults. We start covering music. And you, I remember when you actually interviewed Art LeBeau. Exactly. I had goals as a young media maker in 2008. I worked as a radio producer in community radio. My first question is, as someone who is credited for coining the term oldie but goodie, as an authority on the matter, I'd like to first begin by asking you, when does an oldie become an oldie? (laughs) So uh, I used to pass out a list of songs at the drive-in, and then uh, 
let the kids pick the music from the top 20 songs. So I used to get a few requests for songs that were three or four years old. So someone that's like 16 or 17, we had a lot of teenagers, two years, three years in their life is a long time ago because they don't start living their social life at age one. They start living their social life in those days, maybe about 11 or 12, and that was half of their lifetime, you see? So it didn't have to be very old to be an old one. So they, they said, well, the old song. I had a conversation with a legend uh, that stands out as one of my best interviews in my career. And all these years later, I'm happy that I still have that audio. And just it has to be clarified that Art LeBeau was not in just in Southern California. His show was broadcast nationwide. And people who knew and loved Art LeBeau knew that stuff. What was Art's background? Art LeBeau was Armenian and grew up in Salt Lake City. As a young kid, he was completely fascinated by the medium of radio. And this is a time really before television takes off and radio was king. But when his family moved over to Southern California, he calls himself almost a native. He gets started at an early age in San Francisco radio station called KSAN. And back in those days, you had to have an FCC license. At first, the hiring manager said, we don't have a job for you. Then he busted out the license during World War II. A lot of people had either quit the station or had been called into duty. And Art LeBeau's, well, actually, I got this license right here. And then all of a sudden, the tone changed and uh, station manager hired Art LeBeau. And it's been a radio career ever since. But really where his career takes off as we know it now is in the 1950s when he started to coin oldies but goodies at the advent of, of rock and roll when it really took you know teenagers by storm. I didn't really know that I had that big of a following in East L.A., but I started doing shows at El Monte Legion Stadium. And in those days, teenagers couldn't go to public dances if they were under the age of 18 in Los Angeles, but they could in El Monte. So they came from everywhere, Beverly Hills and Southgate and Hollywood and the Valley, and of course, a lot from East LA. And you had this melting pot of music there where Chicanos, uh, black folks, and white kids from, from West LA all congregated together to hear Rosie and the Originals you know, Richie Valens, all these wonderful musicians, but the core of that audience in El Monte was Latinos. And so we called them Oldies for Goodies dances. And then the first Oldies for Goodies album came out, uh, volume one, 1959. So why were these concerts so notable in El Monte of all places, which is a suburban city just east of Los Angeles? What was everyone else doing at that time? Art LeBeau did what Dick Clark did not do. If you look at American Bandstand, Dick Clark liked to say that the dance floor where he recorded the program when he took it over in the mid-50s was integrated with black kids and white kids. But a scholar named Matt Delmont basically disproved that by pouring through thousands of photos and interviewing teenagers who wanted to be on the show but weren't on the show. So in the 50s, black teens from Philly couldn't get on American Bandstand, but all the way across the country in El Monte, 
Art LeBeau had white, black, and Latino youth dancing together to music for the ages. More after the break. Gabriel, so even early on, LeBeau was innovative in many ways outside of music. And a 70-year career, that's a long time. But his biggest fan base eventually became Chicano. How did that happen? The relationship started in the mid-50s. And LeBeau recounted with me a story about Richie Valens. Richie Valens, a late singer of La Bamba, of course, he died in a plane crash along with Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper and others. We view him now as an icon, but Art knew him from the very beginning. Well, uh, I knew Richie when he was 17. He went to high school in Pacoima. He did his first shows for me at El Monte Legion Stadium when he first came out with his early stuff. But when that movie La Bamba came out, it showed a lot of people that there was Latin music in the 50s. But he was like the first one that broke through. And that song of his, Donna, went to number one. But uh, in the early days, uh, he did a lot of stuff with me. I'm telling him this story about his mother called uh, out the stadium. And she got me on the phone. And she says, you tell Richie to come right home and don't chase those girls. (laughs) So I go backstage and I say, Richie, I talked to your mother. She called, got a message for you. She said, Go right home, don't chase those girls. And he broke out laughing. He thought that was really funny, you know. And of course, he didn't go right home. <laughs> I think it, the relationship really becomes solidified because the return of Art LeBeau happens in 1991. He gets approached by KGGI 99.1 FM in Riverside. They say, We know what you do on Sundays, we'll give you the complete freedom to do, you know, a six-hour show of dedications and in old-school jams. From then on, I think the relationship and the multi-generational aspect of it really takes off because by that time, you know, there's people that listened to Art LeBeau in the 50s when they were teenagers, and then there's teenagers in the early 90s who are getting to know him. It's interesting because sometimes uh, I'll talk to someone on the air that's a teenager, and they'll say, my mom wants to talk to you. And I'll talk to the mom. And I've even said, Grandma wants to talk to you (laughs) or an uncle or somebody, you know. So they all remember and they still listen because I still play some songs from that era. Basically, Inland Empire, which is a region of Southern California, about an hour from Los Angeles, played a big role in reviving Art LeBeau's career and the Latinos in the Inland Empire. And then through Los Angeles and elsewhere and and in Phoenix and Tucson and, and in cities in New Mexico, He really broadcast to all of the Southwest, and he didn't just rely on oldies. He didn't just rely on your Bretton Wood jams, your Chicano soul jams from El Chicano or Malo or or Tierra. In the latter part of his career, he platformed young Chicano musicians like MC Magic. or Amanda Perez, or a singer named Lala. And so a new generation of artists and new genres of music became incorporated into his radio show, The Art LeBeau Connection. And Art LeBeau recognized that we needed more Latinos in media on the radio. And he didn't just think that, he showed up and mentored young talent 
like Jimmy Reyes. And definitely, I think that'll be part of his legacy too. Jimmy Reyes is a DJ at 104.7 FM here in Los Angeles, and he first worked with Art LeBeau as an intern. We spoke to him about Art's influence on his life. Art LeBeau went to bat for me when I first got let go from Hot 92.3 in Los Angeles, and that was my first time being fired, so I was pretty devastated. And I put a call out to Art LeBeau and them because they had a facility on Sunset in Hollywood called Original Sound Entertainment where... um, he would broadcast from because he had a radio station called Coco 94 in Fresno. So I went over to meet with them and they offered me a job. We talked about LeBeau's oldies but goodies empire and also his quest to fight racism, but he was a titan in many other ways, especially in radio. What were some of the other things that he was a pioneer in? When you listen to the show, you immediately got a sense that Art LeBeau's radio program and his dedications provided a lifeline to folks that were incarcerated, you know, doing hard time. And basically you could be in prison listening to Art LeBeau and hear your family on the other side of the wall coming through the airwaves, the nicknames for Latinos that they use in their dedications. So it would be easy to hear on a Sunday night a dedication from someone named Sad Girl to their boyfriend or their husband named Sleepy. And Art LeBeau would use those nicknames too when he made those dedications. I mean, he was like our um, our Vin Scully, our Schick Hearn, such a legendary broadcaster, definitely an icon and just a connection that he Brought amongst people, the power of a dedication, calling someone to do a special message on the radio can go a long way. It's Old School 1047, Jimmy Reyes taking your calls and sharing memories of the late, great Art LeBeau. I want to pay my respects to Art LeBeau. I remember we used to listen to him when I was locked up at Glen Helen every Sunday, you know, his dedications. And uh, I was wondering if he would play a song for me that reminds me of him which would be Papa Was a Rolling Stone. I can definitely do that. Hey, uh, how long were you locked up for? I think I was doing a year. Oh, man. Hey, if I can ask you, because I've always heard that, you know, the homies are listening for their dedication. So what would happen when Sunday came around? How would you guys hear it? Some of you had radios back then in the, in the cells, or how did that work? No, it was, uh, we were in dorms, and uh, the sheriff or the police had control of the intercom in there. And uh, they would turn on the intercom just for the dorms. More after the break. Gabriel, what Art LeBeau's most associated with older music, the old R&B, what he literally trademarked as oldies but goodies, what do you think is it about oldies music that continues to have this staying power? What do you think is so powerful about that command of nostalgia? I think that oldies but goodies remain because it's just timeless music and the lyrics are heartfelt and sincere. If you take a song like Angel Baby by Rosie and the Originals. It's just like heaven here with you. These are very innocent declarations of, of love that kind of typified, you know, the sensibilities of, of mid-century America. And so when you go really back into the day of Art's Music Vault, 
artists like Brenton Wood, they sound as good today as they did back in the day. I think there's a very strong pull to the good old days, if you will, when you were young, times were simpler, and it'll never go out of style. It sounds so saccharine, though. You know, these heartfelt love songs with titles like Dedicated to You and Chapel of Love and Keeper of Dreams and all of that. So how does art in these songs continue to hold such a place in our hearts, even at a time where it feels racial tensions and the world at large is especially bad? Yeah, Art LeBeau was organic in his approach. He said that teens didn't have such a narrow scope or love of music. And if you went back to the 50s and 60s, the Billboard charts were diverse and white kids wanted to listen to black artists. And he was one of the first DJs that was unafraid to have a, that kind of eclectic playlist on his radio programs. He delivered to the youth what the youth wanted, driven by the open-mindedness and shared love of music that young kids from all different backgrounds enjoyed. And art was the DJ in more ways than one at the center of it all. What's amazing about all of this, Gabriel, we're talking about a DJ who in our estimation was doing these radical revolutionary things in many ways, but yet he never said anything political. He never talked about politics on the air. He never put himself out there as this type of revolutionary figure. But it is all very revolutionary in that sense. And then also just, you know, what he did in terms of his legacy in the medium and his longevity in it too, as well. I don't know what Art LeBeau's overt politics were, but I know that he delivered musical utopias. We're airing this on the heels of massive turmoil with LA City Council, where some Latino council members were caught on tape saying horrible remarks against Black people and other minorities. How much do we need Art LeBeau right now? We need Art LeBeau more than ever. He understood the street cultures that cross-pollinated between Blacks and Latinos and uniquely in Southern California, whether it's hip hop, Latinos have been on the scene, Black folks created the genre, the culture, and we participated in it through b-boying, b-girling, graffiti, DJing, and MCing. And Art LeBeau put on you know, the, the new generation of, of MCs like my folks grew up in the 60s, they listened to Motown. They listened to Chicano Soul, Sonny and the Sunliners. They listened to Art LeBeau. And they have a lot of respect for Black people, history and culture. So if we could learn about each other and build a mutual respect through our cultural contributions, it would be a different LA. It would be a different Southern California. But, you know, we're here in the moment missing him and missing him for more than just his Sunday dedications. Gabriel San Roman, my eternal compa, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you for having me on to remember a hero of mine in radio and someone that I and all of us will miss dearly. Thanks so much. I appreciate it.
And that's it for this episode of The Times, essential news from the LA Times. Denise Guerra was a hef on this episode and Mario Diaz mixed and mastered it. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Katra Brasalian, David Toledo, and Ashley Brown. Our editorial assistant is Madeline Amato. Our engineers are Mario Diaz, Mark Nieto, and Mike Heflin. Our editor is Kinsey Moreland. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera, Shani Hilton, and Hiba El Orbani. And our theme music is by Andrew Eatman. And hey, we're building a Dia de los Muertos audio altar this year and would love to include your memories of your loved ones. Call 619-800-0717, 619-800-0717, and leave us a voicemail with your own ofrendas. Tell us who you are, where you live, and then tell us a great story about a friend, a family member, someone dear to you who has passed on and joined the ancestors. We want to air an entire episode with those stories around Day of the Dead. Thanks in advance, and again, the number is 619-800-0717. I'm Gustavo Riano. We'll be back Monday with all the news in this madre. Gracias. There's kisses.